Good morning. It's good to see so many of you here this morning. Okay, now I'm ready. So we're continuing our series in the Psalms. And we're looking at how the Psalms help us think about our inner life. More than any other book in the Bible, the Psalms give us an inside-out view of faith and what it means to be a disciple and to pursue kingdom living with all the feels and desires and struggles that go on inside us. And for the next few weeks, we're going to look at the Psalms of Lament. We've looked at the Psalms of Wisdom. And the Psalms of Lament are the ones that come from a place of sadness and pain and anger and stress and need. And today we're going to focus on the honesty of the Psalms. There's an old saying that honesty is the best policy. Do you believe that? Most of us would agree with that in general. In theory, honesty is a virtue. We admire people who are honest and authentic. But I think if we're really honest, we don't really like to be honest. We like it when other people are honest, and only under certain circumstances when it makes us look good. Right? And today we're going to explore honesty with God. we're going to explore how the honesty of the Lament Psalms help us to move forward toward wholeness and security with God and why it's important for our emotional and spiritual health. When my granddaughter, Kaya, was three or four years old, one day we were playing, and she just looked at me and said, Grammy, do you know Grandpa, who is my ex-husband? And I said, yes. And she said, have you ever been to his house? And I knew it was a three-year-old's attempt to try to make sense of the dynamics in our family and why Grammy and Grandpa are never there at the same time. And over the years, they've asked me different kinds of questions like that. Last year, Grayson got very serious and insistent and looked me in the eye and said, Grammy, really, why are you divorced? <laughs> and I tried to change the subject. I tried to make a joke, but he wouldn't have any of it. So I thought really hard crafted a statement that I thought was honest, but also kind. Because I don't want to lie, I don't want to upset him, and I don't want to upset his relationship with his grandpa. And for all those reasons, sometimes honesty is challenging for the sake of other people. We don't want to upset other people or hurt their feelings or their relationships. But what about God? Do we sometimes feel like we have to be careful about what we say to God? that we have to protect his feelings, that we don't want to upset God with being honest. When my daughter Tracy was newly married, I was sometimes in the room when she and her husband Will would have arguments. And you know, they're both lawyers, so they can argue. <laughs> and they're kind of loud and insistent. They're not mean, but it's kind of uncomfortable. And I told her, you know, maybe you should be a little kinder and nicer and more careful about what you say and how you say it. And she got really huffy at me. <laughs> and she said in no uncertain terms that Will needed to know exactly what she was thinking and feeling. And she also implied that she wasn't going to be like me and hold it inside. 
And so I've been there when they've argued, and it is uncomfortable, and I don't say anything. But I have noticed how that honesty makes them more secure and trusting towards one another, because they do know what they're thinking and feeling. And I see how that dishonesty damaged my marriage. What about with God? Does our sense of trust and security, does our relationship with God suffer when we don't tell God everything we're thinking and feeling? And really, I'm not always honest with you. I was raised to be polite, to not make waves. And I want you to think well of me. I don't want you to think I'm weak or needy or stupid or I don't want to say the wrong things. I really kind of thought about this topic a lot. I know it's a good topic to talk about honesty in the Psalms, but I also know that means I'm going to have to be honest myself. And most of the time, I automatically hedge the truth without thinking and spin things to look so that I look a little bit better than I am. And you probably do that too, without even thinking about it. But what about when we're with God? Do we kind of think about what we say so that we look good to God, so that we can impress God and make him think we're a little better than we are? For all those reasons, we are less than honest. But none of those reasons really applies to God. Right? We don't have to impress God. He already knows everything about us. We can be who we are. But most of us, even though we know we can't impress God, most of us, we're used to hedging the truth and spinning our stories. And we do that in prayer, too. We tend to pray nice, polite prayers, telling God what we need and want, respectfully, nicely. We say the right words and recite our thanks and our praises kind of routinely. Sometimes our prayers can be rushed and wrote because we're just trying to get it done. And honesty takes thought and effort. And to have a real, honest, intimate relationship with God, that requires thought and effort too. But many of us, a lot of us settle for less. And instead of really being honest about all our hopes and all our hurts, instead of really telling God everything that's going on in our messy lives, instead of really bringing our brokenness to God to receive his healing and wholeness, instead of honesty, we settle for less. But the Psalms show us that we can be honest. We can seek more. And the Psalms model honesty in prayer. There's a depth of emotion and truth in the Psalms. And the Lament Psalms express deep, real, honest emotion. Things about ourselves, we, about our situations, and about God, too. There's songs of protest and sadness, but they call out to God knowing that he is faithful and he is good. I'm going to read some portions of some Lament Psalms and see if you can relate to them. As I read them, try to recall a time that you felt these feelings. Psalm 69, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for God. 
And maybe that reminds you of a time that you felt like you were drowning, but the water was rising. I think of things like financial crisis, of feeling overwhelmed with work or with family or parenting or trying to balance all the things in your life, those times that you didn't know what to do and didn't see any way out. Here's another one, Psalm 56. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. The Psalms often talk about enemies and adversaries, and we don't really have people that we think of as enemies. We don't fight enemy armies. But I think we can relate to the feeling, right? You can probably relate to those feelings maybe with coworkers, or when there are family disagreements, or with your social circles, or on social media, or whenever there are people problems. I can think of people who make me feel that way, who make me feel misunderstood or attacked. And I can relate to them, even though I don't think of them as enemies. Psalm 73, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no troubles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. The psalmist admit even their doubt about God and his goodness. The psalmist says, here I am working hard and doing all the right things, and those other people who lie and cheat and steal, they're getting ahead, they're getting better grades, better jobs. I'm still struggling. What about me, Lord? And the psalmist question, is God's way really the best way? They feel doubt, envy, self-pity, that where are you and what about me feeling? They bring that to God too. Psalm 38, I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. My heart pounds, my strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. And physical pain brings us down. I included that lament for all my fellow seniors, right? <laughs> we talk about all those things, back pain, heart issues, failing eyesight, weakness. But do we talk to God about that? We can bring all of our hurts to God, too. And then Psalm 6. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? And even mature, long-time Christians feel this soul-deep anguish. When we're struggling, we don't know where God is. Spiritual people talk about the dark night of the soul and hitting the wall. And there are times we wonder where God is and why he isn't doing what we want him to do. Because we are being faithful, we are trying to do the right thing. Can you remember those feelings? Or maybe you're struggling with things right now, and you can relate to some of those psalms. But the lament psalms can guide us through those struggles and pain. In them, we see a path through the pain, and there's a pattern in most of the lament psalms. And that pattern is complaint, then petition, then praise. 
We're going to look at Psalm 13 today, which shows us that typical pattern. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, you can follow along in Psalm 13. It's a short psalm, but it shows us this pattern. Psalm 13. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. You might have noticed those three elements, complaint, petition, and praise. And not every psalm has those in that order, but it's a typical pattern. And in these three elements, we can also pull out three values of honest prayer, three reasons to turn to God in our struggle, and three ways that the lament psalms help us. The first element of Psalm 13 is complaint. We see the despair and the pain in verses 1 and 2. We feel the emptiness and the hopelessness. And the complaint says things like, I need you, God. Where are you, God? I need help. I desperately need help. I'm suffering badly here. And the complaint gives way to, gives voice to the pain that we're feeling. And you might be able to see your own feelings reflected in the Psalms. And when you do, you realize you're not the only one. And this is the first value of reading and reflecting and taking in the lament psalms because they show you that you are not alone. You're not alone. You're not the only one who feels the way you feel. And not only that, but these people way back in history, way back in Old Testament times, felt the way you felt, you feel. Their context, their culture, their work, Their lives were different from ours, but they struggle with the same emotions, the same struggles, because those are human emotions and struggles. And God understands. God loves you and helps you, because those are the very things that make you human. God knows that. It's okay to be Christian and to suffer and sin and struggle. And the Lament Psalms show us that we can bring all of that to God, And he will understand when our lives are a mess, when our families are unraveling, when our jobs or our work is uncertain, when we don't know what to do. You're not alone. And you can bring all the details of your messy life to God. And he hears you and loves you. But the Psalms don't just leave us in our struggle. The God who loves you is with you. You are not alone. And the psalms point you to God. The second element of most of the lament psalms is petition. It's the asking for help. In verses 3 to 4, it says, Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. And that's petition. That's the ask. It says, God, answer me. I desperately need your help here, God. And sometimes... The asking, the petitions sound disrespectful. They say things like, how long will this go on? You aren't doing anything, God. Where are you? And we can say all of that, honestly, to God. 
The second value of reading the Lament Psalms is that they show you that God can handle it. You can bring all of your mess to God, and God can handle it. And we marvel at the raw honesty of the Psalms, and sometimes we read them and think, what, you can say that to God? The opening verses of Psalm 13 seem to blame God and accuse God of being absent or irresponsible. The middle section almost seems like he's telling God what God should be doing and making demands. And it does seem disrespectful, maybe makes us a little uncomfortable, but this is how we feel sometimes. And we can tell God, God can handle it. For six years, I helped my mom after my dad died. And those were tough years for me. You probably heard me complain about that because I complained to everybody. My mom was healthy and independent and living in LA, but she had a really hard time making decisions because my dad had always made all the decisions. And she would call me constantly and ask me for help. I remember one night, late at night, she called me and said, my water pressure is too low, what shall I do? And I didn't even understand what she was talking about. What's water pressure? What do you mean? What's happening? And I really wanted her to call my brother about these house things, but she didn't want to bother him, and that upset me also. <laughs> I was irritated with her constant demands, frustrated with my siblings for not getting more involved, and worried about what to do. I complained to my family, other family, I complained to my small groups, and I complained to God. And my family was not so understanding. My small groups were very supportive, though. <laughs> they were very kind. But they might also have gotten tired of my complaining. But God never does. God can handle it. And I would pace, and I would cry out to God, and I would say the same prayers over and over, perseverating in my worry. I would sometimes begin to pray about something else and then just deteriorating to ranting about people or situations. And that honesty can be hard for us because we don't really want to admit, I don't want to admit that I'm not the kind and gentle person that I want you to think I am, that I'm really just this whiny, irritable, impatient child with my mom, my sweet, gentle mom. But when we're not honest, when we don't tell God or people, we can get stuck in that anger and resentment and worry. It's as we give voice to the sin and the brokenness and let God in that God heals us and changes us. This past Mother's Day, I was thinking about this, and I realized how glad I was that I had those six frustrating years with my mom because I did grow, and I grew to love better and to listen better and to even have some really good, honest conversations with my mom that were healing for both of us but especially healing for me now as I look back and remember. We don't have to stay stuck, and honesty helps us to move forward. We do have to be careful about our words with people and what we say to people, but we can tell God all of it. God can handle it, and he leads us forward. And the third element of the Lament Psalms is the part that moves us forward. It's praise. Praise doesn't mean happy. It doesn't mean we feel great. But it means we see who God is. We talk about, we tell him that we see who he is and what he's done. It's to recognize the character and work of God and to tell God that we love him, even when it's hard. And in Psalm 13, verses 5 to 6, 
there is this abrupt change between verses four and five, from despair to praise. And it could be that there's a period of time between verses four and five, or it could be just that choice, that resolve to believe in spite of the situation. And from the despair of verse four, verse five says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. And that's the praise, the turning to God. It says, here I am in this dire situation, but I trust you and I will go on praising you and I will go on believing in you no matter what. Praise is seeing and expressing who God is. We don't always feel it, but we can say it anyway. We can choose what to do with our feelings. We can remember what God has done, recognize his grace, acknowledge his presence and his power. We can praise God in faith, believing that he will do it. And the third value of the Lament Psalms is they show us here is a path forward. There is a way forward, a path forward toward healing and wholeness. And the laments guide our prayers from our situation toward trusting God. And honesty and trust really go together. We are honest with those we trust, and our trust grows when our honesty is accepted. We grow to trust God more when we are honest. When I got divorced, I was sure God was gonna judge me and punish me. This was over 20 years ago. There was still kind of a stigma to divorce, and I thought it was the worst, most horrible thing I could do. But I was so broken and angry. And when I argued with God in my angry, where are you, God, and why didn't you fix this God prayers, and when I prayed my sad, I don't know what to do, and I'm worried about the future prayers, there was no judgment or punishment. I actually felt loved and blessed, and that puzzled me. Divorce is not good. It's not God's desire. But he cares for us in every sin and situation. And it's that love and blessing that drew me back to God. I experienced the unconditional love and grace of God that drew me back to trusting him and to being able to respond joyfully when God called me to ministry and to do this. God loves us. God moves us forward in every situation. And he wants to be a part of all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly parts of who we are and what we do. And when we pray honestly, openly, freely, trustingly, and let God into all that junk, we let the Spirit in to change us, to help us, to produce fruit in us. When we pray it all, we open our hearts and our minds to let God in, to bring healing and wholeness, to bring forgiveness and acceptance. The Psalms tell us, you are not alone. God can handle it. And here is the path forward. On the cover of the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, there's a picture of an iceberg. And it's a metaphor for us because there's only a small part of us that we let people see. There's only a small part of us that we're even aware of, that we work on and that we show other people. Below the surface is the part we keep hidden, the part we ignore. Sometimes that's beyond our own day-to-day -day awareness. And the author Pete Scazzaro says this is a problem. That large portion of who we are under the surface remains untouched by Jesus, unseen and untouched 
and unmoved. And Scazzaro writes about being a busy, successful pastor on the outside, but feeling burned out, angry, bitter, depressed on the inside, with a wife and family who demanded more and not knowing what to do. He realized the painful truth that huge areas of his life, his iceberg, remained untouched by Jesus. His knowledge, training, experience, all his skills as a pastor had not touched the interior, his inner reality. And you've probably seen, maybe wondered at longtime Christians who are self-involved or mean or angry. I have. I've actually been yelled at a few times here at church by mature, longtime Christians. And I don't think they meant to be angry. One of them later said he didn't even know he was angry. But, you know, they just reacted disproportionately to a situation. Don't look around. I don't think any of them are in the room today. <laughs> but this is what happens when our pattern is to ignore the stuff inside us, the feelings inside us. They grow and they leak out. And probably you can relate. I can relate because it happens to all of us. We overreact to a situation and we respond in a way that surprises even us. We kick the dog, we yell at the kids or the pastor, we curse at other drivers, we lash out, sometimes in public, sometimes in ways that embarrass us because those feelings are inside us and they leak out when we're upset. And we lose control because our normal control over our nice exterior gets derailed by those things that are unseen and untouched. And getting honest with God about all the parts of us is how we begin to change and grow, developing emotionally healthy spirituality. It starts with getting curious about the iceberg, all that stuff inside us. Schizero says his first step was to pay attention to the interior. And he began by taking time to feel emotion with God each day during his devotional time and then journaling about it. And he would ask himself questions like, what was I feeling when that guy made that comment while we were walking to the parking lot, in the parking lot? Why was I angry? Why did I feel hurt? Why do I keep thinking about this? And he says, allow yourself to experience the full weight of your feelings. Allow them without censoring them. Then you can reflect and thoughtfully decide what to do with them. Trust God to come to you through them. This is the first step in the hard work of discipleship. And if you want to grow as a disciple, invite Jesus into the unseen, untouched parts of you, the iceberg inside you. Growth is not quick or easy. It's a long, slow process, but it begins as you regularly, honestly talk to God about all the stuff you don't really like to talk about. And there is a lot to talk to God about these days, right? There's a lot to feel worried, afraid, confused, uncertain, angry about. In the ups and downs of the pandemic, in the financial crisis or whatever's happening in the financial markets, in politics and the war in Ukraine, is it getting better or is it getting worse? And is your reaction guided by fear or by faith? What do you need to talk to God about? 
it's so easy to think about all these things in relation to me and my safety and my health and what's best for me. But we also have to think about who we are in Christ as his disciples. The path forward is not just feeling good about ourselves. The path forward is loving God and loving people, pursuing kingdom living with God, for God, and under God. What fears and worries get in the way of, of that? What challenges and struggles are you getting stuck in? What do you need to tell God about? You can talk to God about all of it and experience his love, grace, acceptance, forgiveness. You can allow the spirit in to produce the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience. He produces that inside you and in your relationships and how you relate to other people. When we allow Jesus into the hidden parts of us, he brings healing and wholeness and growth. One of everyone, or a lot of people's favorite psalms is Psalm 139. The New Living Translation version of Psalm 139 begins like this. O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. And then it ends. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And this is a person who knows God, who knows that God knows everything, that nothing is hidden from God, and welcomes that, invites God's gaze into his very soul. And in the middle of that psalm, there is this beautiful expression of the security and wholeness he feels. Verse 13 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Those are the thoughts and the attitudes of a man who is open and honest before God. And as we welcome God into our whole selves, as we open up all of our lives to God and bring all those hidden parts of the iceberg to God, he lovingly, carefully heals us and grows us. And we can grow to have that sense of security and wholeness in the presence of God. Don't you want that? If that's the desire of your heart, to invite God in and to open up your lives more and more to God, I invite you to pray this prayer at the end of Psalm 139 with me. I invite you to read it with me out loud and to read it as a prayer as we close today. Let's read it together if that's your desire. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let's pray.